So the last class we studied till the ninth verse of the Vivek Churamani. Today we will try to cover from the tenth till the fifteenth verse, which deals with the immediate cause of liberation. That there are many subsidiary causes, there are many auxiliaries, and something is very primary, without which, as per the Jnana Marga is concerned, there cannot be liberation. So what is the immediate cause of liberation? That has been discussed from the 10th till the 15th verse of Viveka Churavani. So the 10th verse, let us enter into the discussion of the 10th verse. What it is saying? Sanyasya sarva karmani bhavavandha vimuktai yatatam panditai dhirai atmabhyasa Upasthitai. So Panditai Dhirai. The one who is Pandita, the one who is Dhira. Even an academician will be a Pandita, but that doesn't entail that he is a Dhira. The Dhira speaks of the wisdom, it speaks of the tranquility, it speaks of the calmness. The one who is equipoised and at the same time who is learned and who has commenced the practice of realization of the Atman. This Atma Bhyasa Upasthitai. So he is aware of the spiritual dimension of his existence and he has commenced his practice to realize it's not just an intellectual conviction or a mere belief. It's a question of realization. To realize the core of his being the Atman, the Self, the one who has commenced in the journey, following the path as has been prescribed by the scriptures. So that's the uh, quality which has been first described here as Atma Bhyasa Upasthitai. And not only that, it's not just the contemplation on yourself. It should be complemented. It should be associated with what? Sanyasyang Sarva Karmani should try to cut loose the bonds of birth and death by giving up all the self-prompted and selfish action. Sarva Karmani here means selfish actions, not the actions which we are doing as Karma Yoga. There is a difference between Karma and Karma Yoga. We will find that in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, Sri Ramakrishna again and again is saying, that renounce, the try to reduce your action, try to delve deeper and deeper in the contemplation of the divine. And we find Swami Vivekananda, that when he has, uh, is propounding the way, the path for our spiritual illumination, he's stressing so much on karma. So even within the organization, Ramakrishna organization, 
now and then we find that there is that confusion that is karma a path now where we find the senior swamis indicates that what swamiji he has propounded is not karma it is karma yoga as in the bhagavad gita along with the other path karma yoga is also a path the selfless action that's the thing which is not being indicated by the word sarva karmani that all the actions which are self prompted which are selfish actions we have to renounce them to cut the bonds of birth and bhava vandha vimuktai that renunciation of the action is a preliminary factor of bhava bandha of the bondage in the form of transmigration birth and death why that shankaracharya in his commentary again and again is indicating that what entails our transmigration in this cycle of birth and death it is a cycle of avidya kama karma these are the three things from the ignorance because of the ignorance i have forgotten that i am the self the self is echoing through the body mind senses when i sh- shout my own name standing in front of a mountain my name is echoed back for an ignorant person he will think as if someone who is having a similar voice like him is as if calling him from the mountains but it's not the fact it's just an echo but because of ignorance we may think as if someone is calling back similarly through the body mind senses the self is constantly echoing i am i am i know the body mind complex will die off it is not something eternal but something within me always say i am eternal that's why we always try for longevity all our medical science everything is why because we want to be eternal we don't want to perish why from where that comes from the self which is echoing through the body mind complex and this constitutes the ignorance that i want to realize the eternity which i am already i am i am hearing its echo through the body mind complex which is a flow it's not going to live forever it is going to perish when i hear the echo i think the body mind is saying i am eternal and now out of ignorance i try to realize the eternity in that body mind complex which results in what karma the desire that anything which is favorable for my body mind complex i pursue it anything which is not favorable i desist it run away from it that the moment and the yoga shastra what they say pancha klesha the five afflictions from avidya comes asmita the sense of ego that i am this body mind complex and from that the three other kleshas afflictions follow raga dvesha abhinivesha raga means attachment the things which are favorable for my existence as a limited psychophysical being i pursue that i like those things which is not favorable i run away from that that is dvesha and abhinivesha is something i cannot really avoid death is always waiting for me throughout our life we are as if running away from it 
we are extremely attached to life which speaks of our fear of death that speaks of abhinivesha all our actions at last boils down because of these three raga dvesha abhinivesha attachment means we want to uh, survive that is the growth uh, uh, way there is a growth module and this growth response and dvesha and abhinivesha speaks of speaks of fight and flight response either i fight or i run away fight and flight response either i respond to the growth or fight and flight and all the desires are linked to this this ignorance has resulted to this karma and karma has resulted to the karma from where the actions come even in a petri dish in a small microbe you will find that avidya karma karma is working how the ignorance that i am this microbe body results in the desire for existence eternally in that body now if you give some nutrient you will find through the microscope it is drawn towards it the desire to live eternally through this body mind complex have resulted in karma the karma has resulted in karma it is drawn towards it if you give some toxin it moves away from it so avidya kama karma this cycle continues life after life so as long as this avidya ignorance is there the desire will be there and that actions motivated by the desire will be there so here the point comes when shankaracharya says sarva karmani we have to remember he himself has mentioned in in other context that what's the cause of all the karma kama and that is resulted on based on avidya so all the karma which is based on kama the desire that has to be denounced so that's the thing which is indicated here even in bhagavad gita we find that sri krishna bhagwan krishna is indicating that at last all the spiritual practices can be boiled down to only two practice what are they abhyasa and vairagya that i am attached to this sensate way of living all the sensate pleasures of life that is constantly drawing me i have to develop a detachment from that that's the vairagya and that's not sufficient along with that i have to develop some abhyasa practice because only vairagya doesn't entail spiritual enlightenment we will find that even a depressed person the one who is in utter depression he has developed distaste for life he is not in any way interested in anything does that entail in any spiritual growth no so it is not just mere vairagya it has to be coupled with complemented with abhyasa that constant relentless this contemplation on your the real nature that's the thing which speaks of abhyasa that has been indicated in this shloka as atma abhyasa upasthitai so that is the abhyasa and vairagya is sanyasya sarva karmani so this two should go hand in hand if our personality is uh being compared with a will the will has lot of spikes and it has a hub any any this all these wills will have the spikes and it has a hub if our personality is compared with a will the hub is the ego and spikes are the innumerable desires 
the basis of which is of course this avidya asmita ragadvesha abhinivesha based on that there are so many desires in our life the what the spiritual practice is that to get rid of the desire is just like to get rid of the spikes you can get rid of the spokes all the spikes one by one but if you just get rid of one of the spikes does the wheel fall off no the other spikes are there to still maintain its structure still maintain its integrity so there are innumerable desires in our life when some of the desires i find has turned out to be an obsession i came to enjoy this world and the world is now sucking me out as swami ji used to say that like a bee we came to sip the honey and then we find that our wing has got stuck in the honey and now i want to get rid of this obsession so i with full awareness try to practice renunciation and most probably i succeed but does that does that enter in real spiritual liberation no because there are innumerable desires even you get rid of one some are vyakta some are manifested some are not manifested there are so many desires which are not manifested if it gets favorable circumstances it will manifest and again you will find that you have got rid of one obsession again you are being bound by some other obsession so what's the way out i cannot get rid of all these desires one by one there are innumerable so what's the way out so even you will find when we are doing some relief work there are two types of relief one is short term and another is the long term what's the short term relief when there is a flood i immediately go and provide food to the people and some shelter they need that shelter they need their food that's the immediate what's the long term that's the distress relief that the place where is very the place which is prone to flood what will we do that every year the flood comes shall we wait for the flood to come and then we go for that short term relief that won't help in the long run because every year they are going to have the same suffering so there should be some long term measures so we will find that what the long term measure is that in such places where uh, the it is flood prone they will have houses built on pillars the ground floor there is no uh, as such rooms you have to climb the stairs in the indian villages they still use the hand pump now hand pump if it gets submerged you won't get water there is water everywhere but there is no drinking water it's all polluted water so uh, in uh, from ramakrishna mission we go for relief what we do we built those hand pumps on a high pedestal you have to climb the stairs and then go there why that even if the flood is there still fresh water is available so all this speaks of long term measure so in spiritual life also this two short term and the long term measures has to be taken into account this vairagya is short term measure the desire which is disturbing me which is not allowing me to really have some serious incessant spiritual practice that constant meditation on myself the desires are coming and disturbing me again and again how can i do that so of course the vyakta vasana all the manifested desires which are already manifested which i have un- unmanifested i cannot take care of them immediately but those who are manifested i have to practice vairagya and that way i'm trying to get rid of those few spikes which are really disturbing me but that won't enter in liberation because other spikes are there to keep my this limited individuality intact 
So what I have to do? Now all the spikes are connected to the hub. What is the hub of the wheel? That is the ego, the asmita. That all the desires, all the likings, dislikings have developed because of that limited sense of individuality. They are all connected to that. I have to get rid of the hub. If I get rid of the hub, all the spikes will collapse once for all. One at a time. So Vairagya speaks of taking care of the Vyakta Vasana. All the desires which have manifested, already manifested is disturbing me. I am getting obsessed by them. It is not allowing me to calm down. That The word that Dhira speaks of that calming down, it is not allowing me to be the Dhira. I am restless. So it helps me to attain that state of equanimity. But at the same time, Abhyasa has to go on. That this idea that I am the limited individuality that has to be constantly hammered by the opposite idea. No, I am the self. I am the Atman. I am already full. I am the perfect. It is because of my association with the body-mind that ignorance has developed that I am this body-mind complex and I am trying to realize my eternity, my sense of fulfillment through the body-mind complex, which is never possible, impossible. It will never happen. I will go a life after life. Entire biological evolution happens because of that endeavor, which is the result of ignorance. It has to stop if we really want a spiritual illumination. That idea, once I have heard it from the scriptures, now that has to be abhyasa. Constantly, incessantly, I have to go on and negating the idea that I am the limited self by thinking I am the Atman, I am the Brahman. You may say, what about devotee? Those who think, doesn't think of this their self as the ultimate thing to be attained. They think of God. For them also the result is same. There is a very subtle difference. What is the, uh, what's the uh, uh, way the same thing acts there? When you are thinking of God, not the way an ordinary devotee thinks, that I have some worldly uh, ends in my mind, I go to the divine to satisfy my worldly ends. That type of devotion we are not speaking. The Parabhakti, there are devotees who think God is, I am, my association with the divine is eternal. This existence is just a flow. It is just perennial, it is not perennial, it is ephemeral. It is going to be over. But the real me, as Jesus in the Bible says, worship the self by the self. God is the self, I am the self. God is eternal, I am eternal. Our relationship is eternal. It is eternal companionship with the divine. So if you will find in real devotion, also you are negating the idea of this limited individuality by thinking of the eternal self, which is always in association with the eternal Paramatma. So the result is same. You are hammering the ego. That is the abhyasa. Through that, once I can get rid of the hub, then all the vyakta, as well as the vyakta basana, all fall off together to get rid of this idea of this limited individuality, to enter into the ultimate freedom. So this, all this, where we, whenever we get chance, we try to relate this scriptural truth with the simple anecdotes of Ramakrishna. There's a very funny anecdote of Ramakrishna. 
that one day a uh, this a man a village person he was going to have his uh, what you say his he was going to bathe in the village pond just to have a dip in the village pond so as he was going to have a dip in the village pond so naturally he was just wearing a loin cloth and he was having a towel on his shoulder nothing else he was about to leave when suddenly his wife called him and told oh you are so attached you are terribly attached to samsara just see our neighbor that person he has developed detachment well, what have you seen in him that you have said developed you are saying he has developed detachment then the wife told he has 12 wives and he is renouncing them one by one and this man immediately responded in a wonderful way he told you are a fool can anyone renounce one by one do you know what renunciation is it happens once for all i am leaving her term home forever and saying that he left see he was just wearing the loin cloth and he was having a towel on his shoulder he never came back to just pack his baggage nothing the renunciation dawned he left nowhere to be found again so that's the anecdote ramakrishna is saying it's a wonderful anecdote that when that real para vairagya renunciation happens through abhyasa there are two types of vairagya one is this constant conscious effort to get rid of the vyakta vasana the manifestor's desire that speaks of the vairagya ordinary vairagya the para vairagya the supreme renunciation comes when i get rid of that ego and then all the desires vyakta and abhyakta fall off once for all in one go and that's what sri ramakrishna is saying that renunciation can it happen one by one see this is the renunciation going for all so this story is so simple but it speaks of the so profound truth the simplicity sometimes doesn't uh, allow us to really relate to the profoundity of the statement behind it so that's the profoundity this sri ramakrishna is speaking and that's the idea which we find these two practices which has been spoken of in bhagavad gita the same two practices has been indicated here what is the sanyasya renunciation and atma abhyasa that is abhyasa and vairagya so this is being indicated in the 10th uh, verse in the 11th verse what it is saying chittasya see that karma here now you will find that all the shlokas you have to link one after the other if you just read one shloka in excluding other shlokas there is always chance of being misled so here he shankaracharya bhagavat bhagavat pada shankaracharya has mentioned sarva karmani so now we may say oh now you are interpreting is oh all the karmas have to be left out see the next very next shloka is what is saying the very next shloka is saying chittasya shuddha karma karma do have a role to play for the chitta shuddhi karma has to be there chittasya shuddha karma natu vastu par vastu upalabdhaye that karma do have a role to play in our spiritual journey how by chitta shuddhi but the ultimate realization has to happen through that vastu upalabdhi these words are very important a little you miss you just totally miss out the entire idea behind it so to just have a uh, to abhyasa is not upalabdhi it is not 
abhyasa it is what is vastu upalabdha when you go to the realization for the realization karma is not the immediate factor vastu siddhi vicharena that is vichara vichara is the immediate cause he is saying not the karma na kinchit karma koti if you go on doing mechanical work for millions of years, that's what to say ages know it for certain karma koti bhi you may get tens of millions of acts you may go on doing meaningless acts it's not in any way going to give you liberation it comes from vastu vichara from discrimination vichara this which dhatu from vichara what it speaks atma anatma vichara a very interesting that immediately from the literal translation karma doesn't result karma results in chitta shuddhi but it doesn't give in realization only vichara gives you the realization and many immediately will be interpreting in what way that first when you are extremely attached through karma nishkama karma attain to certain extent this chitta shuddhi and once you have attained this cleansed your mind now you have to sit down and do vichara no more karma so there is as if a krama sequence first karma for chitta shuddhi and then when the chitta is sufficiently pure now i sit for meditation renouncing on karma and that will take me to the realization that's the general way of interpreting it but we forget you cannot do nishkam karma without that vastu vichara why from where the idea that this action has to be done selflessly comes from the vichara is already there that when i am doing nishkam karma i am already having that idea that i am the self this body mind complex as in the bhagavad gita it has been mentioned that it is prakrite kriyamanani in the 27th sloka of the third chapter we are reading now when you are this bhagavad gita what is this prakrite kriya this is a nature which is working gunai karmani sarvasha guna karma that stimuli response karma is response the guna is here speaking of the stimuli that a particular stimuli forces us to respond in a certain way and that's the work of the prakriti it's going on ahankara vimuratma from where the ego comes into picture the self which is sitting behind this body mind complex the body mind complex is acting as per the laws of nature it is just witnessing but the one who is ahankara vimura who is deluded by this ego who is identified with the ego he thinks i am the doer karta miti manyate so then what is the way out in the very next sloka in the gita they say 28th sloka of the third chapter tatva vittu mahabahu guna karma vibhagayo the one who is tatva vitt is a knower of the tatva knower of the truth he knows the distinction between the guna and the karma and then guna guneshu vartanta iti matva na sajjate that it is the gunas in the form of the senses which is constant senses mind is interacting with the gunas as objects i am the self the witness knowing that he never gets attached to the actions so now you will find when i say chittasa shuddha karma without this idea that i am just the witness the body mind is just going through its work 
can you really do selfless action you cannot do so it is vichara do come at the beginning which enters in nishkama karma when you are doing nishkama karma that is again associated with the vichara so vichara is at the very beginning it is in the process and at last it results in liberation it doesn't speak of leaving the action action can go on but it shouldn't be with any attachment to give an example <coughs> it's almost impossible to stop action it has to go on how because it has a past impulse because of your past samskara they say prarabdha i have i have got this body i have been born in this body and this past prarabdha it has its own force i cannot stop it immediately to to give an example when the fan is revolving can does anyone think of stopping the fan by holding the blades he will hurt himself as sri ramakrishna used to say forceful renunciation will hurt you if there is a scab on the wound you try to forcefully remove it the wound will lacerate it won't heal it has to fall off automatically so renunciation cannot be forced that way what have we have to what's the way of offing the fan we off the switch does the fan stop immediately no it goes on revolving for some time till its past inertia is working on it and then it rests so what the switch speaks of the connection that's the connection of the ego with the self the chit jada granthi that because of ignorance somehow it has happened that there is a connection i am uh, identifying myself with this body mind complex and that has to be switched off you do it after that the karma still goes on the fan is revolving but that is without any connection the avichara is still going on there there is no more connection that ultimately will result in the cessation of all activities so now you will understand that to this slokas when we try to really understand in its proper context it really opens up a very very new meaning so this chittasya shuddhay karma natu vastu palubdhay lubdhay vastu siddhi vicharena nakinchit karma koti bhi so thus it is obvious that nishkam karma is possible only through vastu vichar which ultimately results in vastu upalabdhi so there is a difference between vastu vichara and vastu upalabdhi these words we have to be very careful about if you take the vastu upalabdhi as vastu vichar then the karma has to stop but if you read the shloka very carefully what it is saying it is the karma doesn't result in vastu upalabdhi that's fact but that karma has to go on through along with vastu vichara from where nishkama karma comes from vastu vichara vastu vichara results in nishkama karma and when that nishkama karma is going on vastu vichara is still associated with it and then it results in vastu upalabdhi so, so the sequence is actually what first comes vastu vichara which is results in nishkama karma which speaks of vairagya because i have not have a, any desires it is nishkama karma when and that is associated with vastu vichara this vastu vichara speaks of abhyasa so you will find this vairagya and abhyasa are associated there is no question of first renouncing and then sitting down for meditation no both are going together and that results in vastu upalabdhi 
it takes you to the realization when the mind has calmed down all the desires have fallen off because of the cessation of ego that immediately takes you to a realization which is not a mere intellectual conviction as swami vivekananda gives that example that many of us get deluded by the idea that intellectual conviction itself is spiritual realization and he speaks gives a very nice allegory that intellectual conviction doesn't help us in crisis he spoke speaks of a stag as very strong muscular male deer the stag one day it was looking at its own reflection in the as uh, reservoir in some reservoir the clear water and seeing its muscular limb it was very proud of itself it was bragging see how strong i am a fawn a young deer was just beside that male stag and it was just bragging to that fawn see how muscular strong i am and then suddenly they heard the barking of a dog they haven't even seen just heard the barking and immediately this stag started running frantically running it was exhausted after running a long distance it was exhausted it was gasping for breath and the fawn also followed it now the fawn was surprised he asked just now you were so confident of your own strength what happened to your confidence and this stag replies i don't know what happens to my confidence when i hear the barking of the dog so that's what that allegory swami is saying that we after reading the scriptures that i am the atman i am not attached to this body mind complex this body mind complex may fall off i am eternal sometimes i feel i wonder i realized and then we face the real challenges of life we find we have forgotten why because it is just a mere belief a mere intellectual consent it doesn't it hasn't taken us to that realization which is possible only when that we go beyond the ego it speaks of a type of mystic realization when the ego falls off all at once taking us to that realization as sri ramakrishna used to say all the spiritual realization is like a hole in the wall of ego in a wall i don't know what is behind the wall i chisel i chisel to make a hole and then i peep through the hole to see infinite expanse so this abhyas and vairagya is the process of chiseling in the wall of ego to peep into that infinitude of our real existence and that's till we have really chiseled the hole in the wall of ego know it for certain it's mere belief as long as we are chiseling it's all these outlines speaks of our imagination of our belief it has not enabled enabled us to really peep through that hole to the eternity so to peep through the hole to the eternity speaks of vastu palabdhi before that it is vichara still going on so just see how wonderful these shlokas are this just few lines but lot layers of understanding is there behind them that's why all these shlokas lot of manana has to go in it it's not just shravana you have to really go on cogitating upon it so that all the cobwebs of your mind falls off to give a very clear picture of what it is speaking in belurmat when swami vivekananda was uh instructing the novices was taking class for the novices in the upanishads some other senior monks told what's the utility of studying all this 
as if only meditation is the thing which is required. Swamiji overheard it. And then just as a, to content that type of idea, what he, to what he did, he immediately asked these young novices, well, what is the utility of studying scriptures? It's always silent. Then they didn't know what to answer. And then Swamiji himself replied, it just clears the cobwebs of our mind. And then the idea becomes clear. And once the idea is clear, your major, the most of your work is done. Then once your idea is clear, you real, get the real motivation and the real path to proceed. So the majority work is done in the form of removing the cobwebs of the mind, cleansing the mind. So we have to do proper manana to understand the real purport of the slokas. So let's go to the next sloka, the twelfth. What is saying? Samyak vicharata siddha Raju tattvavadharana Bhranto dita mahasarpa bhaya Dukkha vinashini So now Shankaracharya, Bhagavad Pada Shankaracharya is resorting to that very, very uh, uh, this oft-quoted example, allegory. What is that? The rope and the snake allegory. That when I am passing uh, uh, through some uh, forest in the twilight hours and on my path, most probably just a rope is lying. But in the twilight hours, because of the lack of sufficient light, I see it as a snake. The snake is not there. It's just a rope lying there. The rope appears as snake. And the moment it appears as snake, all our misery, bhaya, just starts from the point we get deluded. It is actually rope. The moment we get deluded as snake, then this all the bhaya comes into picture. So now, any will any action help us in getting rid of that bhaya? No. It's only someone has to bring the light, focus on it, and when I see the delusion is gone, the delusion has fallen, the real knowledge, it is the knowledge which can only eradicate the delusion. The real knowledge eradicates the delusion. And then all the bhaya is gone. So just as the rope out of ignorance appears to be snake, so also the ego is the project of ignorance. Because of ignorance, the ego comes into picture. That association of the self with something which is a flow, this chit jara granthi, it can never happen, but it appears to happen. That's why ajnana is something which is sat asad vilakshana. But it's, there is not, it is not there. But at, at the same time, we cannot deny it. It has some vyavaharika satya. In my day-to-day -day life, I do realize it. Till it is gone, it is there with, with me. So this avidya, which results in this ego, from that all the afflictions come. So raga, dvesha, vinivesha, as we were studying. The moment that ignorance is gone, I see the rope as rope. The snake was not there any time. The moment it is gone, immediately all this dukkha bhaya falls off. So the knowledge of the rope gives us the freedom from the fear and anxiety caused by the false snake knowledge. So similarly the knowledge of the self is attained through this samyak vichara that alone can give us freedom. So from the vichara, 
this when you have the correct vichara the action because of the past momentum goes on but you have already switched off and it is associated with the vichara it can result in the ultimate falling off of the ignorance taking you to that ultimate realization so that's the thing samyak vichara <clears throat> this samyak vichara means vichara which is samyak in totality incessantly constantly that speaks of nididhyasana that once i have through shravan after hearing the words of the scripture i have cogitated <coughs> sufficiently upon it and through cogitation all the doubts gaps in understanding has fallen off i have developed an intellectual conviction but that is not enough this constant incessant meditation on this intellectual conviction that alone can take you to the realization so this word samyak is important here this speaks of this incessant it's not that that uh, when my mood is i do meditation i try to just the way in the modern days we think of meditation that i live my life the way i'm living i having my uh, this uh, all the enjoyments parties everything and my f- mind gets really i feel as as if it has it has weighed down because it has it is exhausted drained and then <clears throat> someone suggested this meditation is therapeutic so i take meditation just as a part of my life it is not in any way engrossing my entire life know it for certain spirituality can never be a part time affair it has to be incessant and then you say how is it possible i have my activities and here again it comes that the activities go on let it no more be karma let it be karma yoga that whatever i am doing as a witness let it go on and i have developed that intellectual conviction that i am the self that incessantly when i am in my meditation asana then of course i do that and when i am out of my asana my meditation still continues in all my activities it is incessant it is going on this contemplation in the world of action that speaks of real spirituality where spirituality is no more just a part time affair you have not divided the secular and spiritual in water tight compartments it is it has to go on incessantly through our entire life journey then only it is possible this samyak vichara this constant incessant vichara this will result in that this rajju tatvavadharana to get rid of the delusion of that ego in the form of snake that i am the self that the rope actually speaking of that self which is being projected as this ego that falls off and once that falls off from the ego comes all the bhaya all the dukha in the form of raga dvesha vinivesha they also fall off so samyak vicharata siddha rajju tatvavadharana bhranto dita mahasarpa this because of bhranta this idea of this mahasarpa has arisen and from that bhaya dukha everything has arisen and they all fall off when this bhranta when this deluded idea of this snake which actually speaks of the ego that falls off this even in other religion in christianity you will find the satan is being depicted as a snake that ego is the snake which is after all a delusion there's a difference only you will find in 
the Abrahamic religion and Hinduism, the, there's the idea of duality, that good and evil both exist. God is there, Satan is there. Here in Vedanta, they say the snake is after all a delusion. There is no nothing called evil. Everything is good. It is because of delusion, the good is appearing as evil. Once the delusion falls off, all the fear which comes from that concept of evil, that also falls off. Because you are one with that goodness and goodness alone. So that's the idea which has been spoken of in the 12th verse. In the 13th, what it is speaking? Arthasya nishchayo drishto vicharena hitoktita nasnanena nadanena pranayama shatinava. So this is again. So there are so many practices so many rituals that taking, you will find that in some traditions, nana, in Bengali, there is a very common proverb. They say, Shadhu more khe, Vaishnav more ne. Means the Vaishnava is too much fastidious about his, this external cleansiness, cleaning, uh, this cleanliness. Will be taking three, four times bath. At last, may just catch pneumonia, we get infected pneumonia, that may be the cause of his death. And sadhu will be attending these bhandaras. So many food has been offered to uh, this god and then uh, they go on feeding and that again, you know, that can result in uh, your ill health, death, everything. So what's the idea of all these external rituals? That offering, offering, having food, having this uh, snana, this cleansing, for cleansing the bodies, bathing again and again, do elaborate dana. All these are externals. It's not that they are of no use, but they are not the primary. The, the primary factor, again, Sankaracharya is saying, is arthasya nishchaya. The conviction of the truth, nishchaya, that speaks of conviction. That conviction comes only from realization. Without realization, there cannot be any conviction. You have read about the existence of ocean in geography book as a small child, and you are yet to see the ocean. Someone can come and just, just convince you there is nothing called ocean. It is all bluff. They can. But once you have seen the ocean, however one may lecture you that there is no ocean, you even, even, you even won't reply. You will just say he is a mad person. Because now we have developed the conviction of sin. The one who has seen the ocean, there is no question of any doubt. As long as it is just a mere intellectual knowledge, it can be, it may not be. Still in this world, there are flat earth society, even in America. And even among them, we find that the numbers are dwindling. Why? Because now, in the olden days, there was no way. Now our satellites from the sky can take the picture of the earth and you can see the globe. So that's flat earth society. How this idea you can get rid of? When you have some pramana, when you, when you have some perceptual knowledge, when you have seen something, you have realized something, then only the concepts. Otherwise, with my naked eyes, I, when I see the flat surface of the earth, it's, someone can come and say that the, the idea that the earth is round, is a globe, uh, is false. I may also believe it. But when from the space you take the photo of it, from the spacecraft, and you see the real globe, 
Now, from where, how will you explain? You cannot explain. So the conviction of, speaks of this nishchayata, this conviction speaks of realization. So when you have realized the truth, arthasa nishchaya, drishto, that's the words that are important. Drishti, I have seen it. It's not a mere intellectual conviction. But how that has happened? Vicharena, through vichara. Gradually vichara, hitoktita, uh, by the realized soul. So it speaks of tradition. The, the one who has already realized, he has spoken of the truth. The truth which is not, vis- is not visible now. And I go on doing my practice over it. I hear it, sravana, manana, and then it's leading to nididhyasana. That will result in the drishto. I see the truth. Yes. By, process, by proceeding through the process of reasoning, then only you can get rid of this bondage. It can lead to the mukti. Na snanena, na danena, pranayama, shatenava. So in, in, in a song of Mirabai, there is a nice uh, song, the couplet. There's, what's the line? That sadhana karna chai he manava, bhajana karna chai, prem lagana chai re manava, preetha karna chai. And then in, that the real thing is this sadhana, this consistent spiritual practice. Other things are of no use. In one line, that the, the, the same idea, snana, he is saying that uh, if by taking bath, if just by cleansing your body with water, if you can attain uh, spirituality, then the fish would have been the realized soul. The bat, the bat always is eating fruit, pure vegetarian. It is supposed to be a realized soul. So those are the secondary factors. The real factor is this vastu vichara, which leads you to that ultimate realization. Without that, all these this, uh, rituals and everything, they have some role to play. What's the role they play? They keep you integrated. All these do's and don'ts. See, our mind cannot stand in one place. If you leave it alone, natural tendency is to go down, just like water, it flows down. It will go to all the sensor parsits. I cannot keep it in one place. Either I have to pump it up or by nature it goes down. All the spiritual practices do help us in the form of do's, don'ts, rituals, in pumping up the mind. It helps us to maintain an integrity. As the mind cannot stay free, if you keep it free, it will go towards the senses. So you keep it bound through some regimentation of practices. It keeps you at certain level. It maintains your integrity. But that's not all. It has to take you to the realization. So all the practices are like the fence. It helps us to keep me integrated, keep me safe from the distractions. Just like the way a small sapling needs a fence so that the all the grazing animal may not feed on it. But once the plant has grown, is there any need of the fence? No, that's no more required. The fence can fall off now. As Swami Vivekananda used to say, that it is good to be born in a church, but it is horrible to die there. By church, he doesn't mean a particular religion. By church, he means any conventional religion. That all the conventional religions is good to be born there. In the initial stages, they do help us. The dha, 
dharayati dharma to integrate us to hold on to something they do help but they're just like the fence they have to fall off if we have grown then the fence is no more required it has to fall off and if the fence is still required it's the proof i haven't grown so the growth entails the falling off of the scriptures so they are all secondary details the real the ultimate the direct cause of liberation is this vichara arthasya nischaya which happens through drishti and which happens the, the drishti happens through artha vichara and that results in the uh, nischaya the conviction about the reality of the self that alone can lead us to the liberation and this all happens to the hitoktita the one who is real beneficial the teacher who has realized who out of infinite compassion has spoken the truth to me hearing that the vichara has entailed the vichara has resulted into the realization there is no other means by which we can go to that liberation so what then what is the then primary factor in the 14th verse he says adhikarinam ashaste phalasiddhi visheshata upaya deshakaladya santyasmin sahakarina so success depends essentially on a qualified aspirant the aspirant who has already developed that vichara the yearning to realize the self other things time place and other means this desha kaladya they are auxiliaries so when they say so again there is a chance of uh, misunderstanding when this auxiliaries we may think it is not required not is required so we will understand this shloka very well with the help of an allegory of sri ramakrishna again these allegories are wonderful the simple words of ramakrishna can help us to understand the abstruse truth behind these shlokas what's the allegory of ramakrishna very nice that there were two farmers one farmer is a traditional farmer he's for generations they are farmers and his forefathers have told him haja sukho manbena don't hear about this uh, this uh, dry weather that here we hear that al nino and la nina that now the weather forecast says there is al nino it is going to be dry so what's the if that if al nino has ensured what's the re, result in plowing the land there is not going to be any rain it is going to be dry but this the traditional farmer whose forefathers have told him never hear to this forecast every year in proper time do plow the land and he plows the land all says he is a simpleton he is a fool the other intelligent farmer he has just gone through the all this forecast and he thinks what's the use of plowing he doesn't plow and now the forecast proves to be false there's a heavy downpour who will who will benefit the one who has plowed the land the one who has not plowed the land even if there's a heavy downfall so downpour he's not going to benefit from it so the idea is there are certain factors which are daiva which is not in my hand there are so many factors when in an examination i have written my script in my answer script very nicely but the one who is this the evaluator he also comes to the picture to certain extent sometimes there may be some blunder some mistake sometimes my health may come that i am well prepared and just on the day of exam i may fall sick so these are the daivas which i cannot avoid it may come but if all the daiva factors are okay but i have i am not prepared myself properly 
will it help that my health is okay i know the one who is the, the going to examine my papers he is a very level headed person everything i know but i am not prepared is it going to help me it's not going to help me so the primary factor of course is that yearning to attain that self the practice that abhyasa that vairagya that speaks of the adhikari the one who is a qualified aspirant now time place other things are auxiliaries but that doesn't mean they are not required in spite of your you will find that a person most probably in proper time resorted to the path of renunciation and he gets favorable circumstances for some other person also that intense renunciation has came but he is already entangled in the family now it's not proper time for him though he is having that intense desire for intense spiritual practice but now he is already entangled so the time is not fact is do become a factor his yearning is not is going this his circumstances is not going to favor his yearning but the yearning is of course the primary factor without that if the one who is not having any yearning if that ramakrishna used to say that sometimes that our devotees uh, come in association with their relatives they have no spiritual inclination the same dakshineshwar that place which itself that atmosphere is sublime where ramakrishna in his in the days of ramakrishna ramakrishna is sitting in his room instructing his devotees that place is vibrant with the spiritual vibration ganga is flowing by all the external circumstances are favorable the one devotee who is associated with his relative who has no spiritual inclination after 5 minutes he goes on pinching the devotee how long how long we have to sit here and when the devotee says please wait please wait let me just uh, be with him for some time let me hear his words that other person becomes so restless he gets up and he says okay you uh, you just be here i am just going and waiting for you in the boat so he will go and sit there so what it speaks of that circumstances are all favorable but that yearning has not developed so will it help no it will won't help so the yearning is the primary factor yes other factors are also necessary if they are not favorable circumstances you don't get sometimes the yearning won't immediately help you but know it for certain once you have developed the yearning the law of nature is such if you really wish something the entire nature will conspire to make your wish successful there's another allegory of sri ramakrishna <clears throat> that very nice this thing that a man his son was extremely ill sick the son was almost in the death it was he was just lying on the death bed he was about to die and the son has the father was uh, intensely praying oh god please save my child and then the god appears and he says a very very interesting uh, solution what's that that when the swati constellation a particular constellation is on the ascendant is seen visible in the sky it is called the swati nakshatra when the swati nakshatra the swati constellation is on the sky and then the rain falls and when that rain falls and that rain drop has to be mixed with the what you say the poison of the snake the snake's venom that diluted snake venom which has been diluted by the rain drop which has fallen when the swati constellation is on the ascendant that you feed to that boy he will 
be cured now this story this story what we have why we are saying just to say that inter why sri ramakrishna is relating this your intense desire conspire the nature will conspire to make your desire fulfilled that's the plan of the universe if you really have a desire if it is i have seen that uh, a monk an old monk used to practice just the saregama in harmonium and one day we asked this old age now you are practicing saregama this just the notes when we just uh, learn to play the music the song he told next birth so means what's the idea that this time i am with the yearning he is joking but the idea is this i'm yearning this yearning will enable me to to born in such a circumstance where i will get everything favorable so nature conspires in that story sri ramakrishna is saying that as the, the, the man went to the forest and he was intensely praying to make all the circumstances favorable and then the evening dawned this and he saw that the swati constellation is on the sky and now he was asking let there be rain let there be rain and suddenly there were some clouds and it started raining and then the other two factors how it can happen that the the venom of the snake has to get you know, diluted with the rain water then suddenly he saw a poison venomous snake coming and now he was just thinking that uh, how will i get the poison of it to be diluted by and from nowhere a frog came and it and there was a skull a just a skull lying there on the ground inverted skull so because of the rain it was already full of water and now the when the snake was about to the spore the venom bite bite the frog the frog leaped over the skull and the snake's venom fell on the water in the skull and now the man was happy he went what's the idea that intense desire made so many circumstances were required so many circumstances had to be favorable to really have his desire successful and that all the nature conspired to make his desire successful in our life we will find it do happen i will just i have seen that what is your desire the nature conspires in i in the ashram where i joined and there a parent came to keep his drug addicted son in the ashram why that maharaj don't allow him to go out let him be inside the ashram and give him some work some gardening uh, and some work in the kitchen in the shrine so he's a bit engaged so his mind is a bit engaged so that he can get rid of the addiction at first maharaj uh, the senior monk thought maybe maybe that's the way the boy was allowed to stay in the ashram and he was it was made sure he cannot go out the security guard was mentioned just see he never goes out he's always in the ashram and then we find the things were missing at last he was caught he was stealing he even uh, broke the uh, this uh, what is it the donation box of the shrine and at last he was caught and then we interrogated him that why were you stealing what were you doing with this money and what he told was interesting that in this inside the ashram he never went outside that's an unknown place for him he was staying in calcutta and our center was not in calcutta it was in lucknow so he came far off he knows no one there he was staying in ashram somehow the drug peddlers found him out they started supplying him in drugs free of cost and then i started asking for money where will he get money then he started stealing 
just see when you have a desire the entire nature conspires from where this everything happens they now scriptures they say that if you have a desire and you are forcefully renounce you go to the forest in few days a palace will be there your desires if what you wish that's really going to happen you may say but it doesn't happen i wanted to be a doctor we forget one thing there's a nice book uh, uh, in about this uh, fact i forgot the heading of the book that when i want to be something i'm speaking i'm just saying that i want to be such and such thing but constantly incessantly a fear is working most probably i cannot i won't qualify for the exam and that becomes true you can't qualify in business we will find a pauper who has nothing goes to the top suddenly he becomes very rich after becoming rich he loses everything why when he was a pauper he had a very one pointed desire i have to become rich the question of losing wealth was not he didn't have he went there and after having wealth the question started i may lose and he loses then he follows so what you desire it really becomes true what you intensely desire so here also that's the truth factor that external factors are necessary but the primary factor is your intense desire if the external factor is not favorable for the more time being knowing for certain your intense desire today or tomorrow will make those external factor favorable for you and then this too has to be together to take you to the liberation that unless you do have favorable circumstances your intense desire it alone may not help you they are secondary but they are also complementary though they are secondary but they are not supplementary they are complementary so that's what's the idea which is spoken of here that adhikarinam ashaste phalasiddhi visheshata that success depends essentially on the qualified aspirant upaya deshakaladya santyasmin sahakarina they are auxiliaries but that doesn't mean that they are subservient means they are auxiliaries but they are also complementary so therefore ato vichara kartavya the 15th jigyasu atmavastuna so at last this conclusion so this vichara has to go on and that also samasadhya daya sindhum guru brahmavit uttamam after hearing the truth from a realized soul otherwise it will be like a blind leading the blind andhe naiva niyamana yathandha so who is who is the daya sindhu the one who has realized the truth but after realizing he has came back again just with the story of sri ramakrishna we will end today's discussion the sri ramakrishna spoke of three friends they were going by the road and suddenly they saw a very a huge wall now they were curious to know what's there behind on beyond the wall so they managed to get a ladder with a ladder they they got a ladder and they kept the ladder on the wall the one of them climbed on the top the other two were waiting below to just hear what's there the moment he climbed up he was ecstatic ecstatic in joy they were asking what do you what do you see that you makes you so happy please relate but he was so overwhelmed with joy he couldn't desist himself even he couldn't wait to answer he simply jumped to the other side now the two were remaining the second got up now the third was expecting most probably he will relate thus he also made the same fate he was so overwhelmed he also jumped the third the last man at last he also had to climb and he also felt the seeing the joyous mart on the other side of the wall he felt like jumping but somehow the thought came if i jump who will relate of this wonderful world wonderful realm 
the spiritual dimension of our existence, who will relate it to the mankind. So he somehow controls himself, comes down, avatarana, getting down, this avatar, comes down to relate to the world. Such a person is the Daya Sindhu. He has no reason, of his, no selfish reason of his own. There is no selfish reason not to earn money, not to earn name and fame. Just out of compassion, unbound compassion, after realizing. It's not that just hears, after realizing he comes down to relate. And when you hear from such a person, when you are being blessed by such a person, then you know it for certain that your realization is just waiting for you today or tomorrow. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, when Girish met Ramakrishna, Girish Chandra Ghosh, and he was finding that as if there is no visible change in his life, he was frustrated. He went and asked Ramakrishna that, is nothing going to happen for me? Am I going to be as if eternally doomed? And Sri Ramakrishna immediately retorted back very strongly, saying, do you think an ordinary snake has bitten you? You have been bitten by a real a venomous snake. Now you may go anywhere. You have been already bitten. You may run to escape once you have been bitten. If you have been just, if, uh, you have somehow ran away from a predator, you are safe. But once you have been bitten by a venomous snake, now you may run anywhere. You may go to the top of the Mount Everest, thinking, oh, I have escaped. You may go to the bottom of the ocean. It's just a matter of time. You're going to die. It is amogha. Nothing can save you. So Sri Ramakrishna is saying that I am that jatsap, that venomous snake. What's the idea? The daya sindhu, the realized soul, is that venomous snake. Once he comes and instructs, and based on that instruction, our spiritual yearning awakens within us, and it takes us to that practice of vichara, know it for certain, that can result in that atma vastu upalabdhi, that will take us to the realization. So from the 10th to the 15th sloka that we studied today, you find that the main theme is this, that through vichara, unless we go to that realization, there cannot be any liberation. That's the primary factor, the immediate factor for liberation. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Again, we will continue with our discussion in the succeeding class. Thank you all. Namaskar.